this week on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. Great night for Trump. I mean, he met he met the polling. He did what he had to do. He won across all demographics. Um, and I think he won 98 and 99 counties. And the one county he lost, it was by one vote. I mean, it was a it was a thorough uh, whooping uh, or a thumping, as a W used to say. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. After the Iowa caucuses, it's now a three-person Republican primary, or maybe two, or maybe one. It's the morning after in Flyover Country. Scott Jennings Back from actually still in New York City after the uh, primary coverage on CNN. Sean Southern is here. Jerry Crawford behind the mic and behind the board as well. I am your roundtable host, Joe Arnold. We have some instant flyover country reaction here, Scott, after an interesting night in in flyover country. Yeah, greetings from a uh, snowy uh, New York City uh, where I sat in front of a television camera for eight and a half hours yesterday. So newfound respect for people who do this every day. I only do it (laughs) occasionally. You know, um, obviously, great night for Trump. I mean, he met he met the polling. He did what he had to do. He won across all demographics. um, And I think he won 98 and 99 counties in the one county he lost. It was by one vote. I mean, it was a. It was a thorough uh, whooping uh, or a thumping, as uh, W used to say. And I think, um, you know, at this point, you've got Haley and DeSantis both saying they're moving on. And I don't know where they're going to move on to. I mean, that, that, that the map doesn't get any easier from here. I mean, New Hampshire will be the best terrain that someone like Haley ever faces. Uh, but But the thing about Iowa that I learned is just the enthusiasm of the Trump supporters. It matters. They will turn out. Uh, and Haley is so dependent upon um, people who are independents and don't don't like the Republican Party, you know, sort of never Trump types, I guess, at this point, or want to move on from Trump. And they are out there. I mean, there's certainly a, a cohort of them. It's just, it's just obviously not enough to overcome. Instant reaction, Sean. Where, where do we stand here? Is it a one, two, or three-person Republican primary race? Well, I think it looks like it's going to be Donald Trump is the nominee of the Republican Party. I mean, uh, Scott mentioned, you know, that this was a good night for him. But look, he won with more than 50 percent of the vote. He lost only one county of the 99 counties. Uh, I think that that shows you that this is Trump's Republican Party. And uh, we've we've talked about this long on the podcast about how he's kind of in the imagination of Republican primary voters as an incumbent president. He has that sway with voters. And so this was always going to be a dis- difficult task to unseat uh, someone with that amount of sway within the Republican Party. Um, you know, with Nikki Haley going on and really focusing on New Hampshire, you know, with the amount of Democrats and independents voting in that in that primary. I mean, it's very different than our home state, which is the next contest, which she's probably going to lose. And so uh, I think that the way the map is shaping out is this this is just going to continue to be uh, Donald Trump's Donald Trump's uh nomination going to be wrapped up pretty soon you know one thing joe um about the results last night trump first of all it was a good night for pollsters so good job pollsters um but one thing about trump he met his mark haley roughly met hers maybe a tick below uh, but if you look at the last sort of round of polling 
DeSantis was like in the 15 range, 15, 16 range, and he 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 is the only one who actually outkicked his coverage. And I chalk it up to two things. One, I think he did obviously invest in the organization and the, the retail politics. So that was worth some points. But I think he I think Haley fumbled at the debate, the CNN debate last week. I was in Des Moines for and and I think that combined with DeSantis's organization, I think it hurt her. I think it hurt her. I, I think it, it cost her a few points. Uh, now, grand scheme of things, does it matter whether she got 19 or 20 after when all is said and done here? Probably not. But from a narrative perspective, if you finish third and you stand up and give a speech uh, in which you say it's now a two-person race, I mean, I think I think they wrote a speech and uh, she just decided to give it despite not finishing second. Jared, let's listen to Nikki Haley last night in Iowa. I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. So the reality, guys, is is it's not. I mean, I I don't I don't know how you can make that argument. I mean, DeSantis is going on and he beats you in Iowa. And yes, he's not doing as well in New Hampshire. But my suspicion is DeSantis will be stronger in the Super Tuesday states than than Haley is going to be. So I'm. I don't know. Uh, by the way, breaking news this morning, right before we went on, Joe, Haley is saying she will not debate uh, Ron DeSantis on Thursday and Sunday. So ABC was supposed to have a debate Thursday night. Uh, CNN is supposed to have a debate Sunday night. Uh, Trump has not been showing up at these. And so Haley is now saying in a campaign statement minutes before we went on the air here that she will only debate Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That's it. So it, it strikes me at this point, uh, the, the debating season may be over. I think she's playing exactly right. I think that Nikki Haley's success on Monday night is being underappreciated by pundits like yourself. Because <laughs> when you look at where she was, where she started in Iowa, Iowa was always Ron DeSantis' home. He went all in, chips all in the middle of the table, completely invested there in in, in uh, infrastructure and on organization. Haley was basically, that was, the, she was keeping the seat warm or, or just doing whatever, just to get to New Hampshire. And oh, I mean, back, back I in September, that, back in some, September. That's some world-class spin. That's some world-class yeah. if, yeah. if, you, if you look at where she was to start with, single digits, she was behind Tim Scott. She was behind Vivek. You know, oh, I mean, she was two percent, and I'm saying is she went from two percent to twenty percent, or or close to it, nineteen percent. To me, I mean, this is now. I understand what you're talking about as far as where the polls were last week. Do I think that she fumbled during the debate? Yes, I do. I think you're exactly right on that. I think that she could have done better, but in terms of overall, it was always about New Hampshire. Now, if she if she if she trails off in New Hampshire, if this strategy does not work, then 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 it's over. Maybe it's already over anyway. Joe, Republic. let me just read you from the CNN reporting about this. Republican candidates and their allies have bombarded Iowa residents with more than $123 million in advertising. Haley's political network has spent the most on advertising in the Hawkeye State, with her super PAC ranking as the top advertiser, spending $31 million on ads. Haley's campaign has spent an additional 4.9 million on its own advertising. This is this is hardly keeping the seat warm. I, I think 
I think she got in on Iowa late, but she did get in on Iowa. And, and you know, she tried. I mean, you, DeSantis, I, I'm not disputing that DeSantis went all in fully. All, he moved his campaign there. Like that, that, that was his Alamo. But, but it might have been a strategic mistake for Haley to do anything in Iowa because of the unlikelihood of her ever finding enough of a constituency there, there to make it fly. Jared? Yeah, yeah I, I'll add, too, she only really did well in some of the, the exit and entrance polling with the groups we would have expected her to do well with. It's not like she broke into the Trump voter base. She did well with moderates, uh, you know, suburban women and college educated voters, which is just not enough in the modern day GOP to get you like anything. Right. Trump dominated in, in rural parts and with evangelicals improving in basically every category and higher age groups. She does she does a little bit better with, you know, younger voters and stuff like that. But again, for that core of the party that's going to carry you, she didn't break into them at all. So she got those sort of alternative voters, those never Trumpers who, again, may be the ones who keep Trump from the presidency again. But, I I mean, she got the people she was probably supposed to get, so she finally reached out to them, sort of like in the 11th hour. So I don't I don't know that she overperformed in any way, really. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I agree with that. I mean, the people she was supposed to get were the college-educated suburban republic. Trump won the college-educated crowd. I mean, I... I don't think she got anybody she was supposed to get. I mean, I, 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 this, this candidacy is designed for a certain kind of constituency. It is roughly the shape of Joe Arnold. And these are, <laughs> these are the people that, that she's supposed to get. And she did not get, I mean, she got some of them, but like it, it was not nearly enough. Uh, so I, and after a spend like that and, and sort of peaking, I guess, at the right time, um, it, it, it shows the limitations of this particular constituency in the, in the makeup of the party. Now there's more room to run on that front, New Hampshire. Totally agree with that. But I was underwhelmed by the chunk of that she actually did get. Well, and as far as Sean, go ahead. Yeah. And then like, let's also compare what happened last night to what happened in 2016. In 2016, who was skeptical of Donald Trump? Conservatives and evangelicals mm-hmm. mostly. What we saw last night is that he has increased and solidified his support amongst those two huge wings, traditional wings of the Republican Party, and then wins, as Scott pointed out, the college educated. And so the, the I don't know where Nikki Haley goes from here. I mean, what are, do you all think that she's going to win New Hampshire? I mean, is 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 that is that going to happen? And if so, I mean, what what does that do? I mean, South Carolina is not like New Hampshire. <laughs> South well, let's Carolina, look at the. Good question. Let's look at this. So right now, the polling in New Hampshire, Trump in the polling averages has about a 14 point lead. He's sitting at about 43 and a half. Haley's at 29. You know, Christie is still at 11, but he didn't endorse Haley. You'd think she'll get some of that. Ramaswamy's at five. You'd imagine his chunk goes to Trump or some of that goes to Trump. So I don't know. I mean, I no, I don't expect her to win New Hampshire. I expect her to be more competitive against Trump than DeSantis. But no, I don't I don't expect her to win New Hampshire. Do you, Joe? I think she'll perform better in New Hampshire than she did in Iowa. I think the the, the but the 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 what it boils down to is the Republican Party is fractured. And you have I heard never Trump, I heard never Nikki, I heard 
from, and then the question becomes, Scott, such as, you know, a lot of people are talking about making a big hay of the CNN entrance poll um, of, of caucus goers talking about how the majority of them would still vote for Trump, even if, uh, or was still, if, if, if he was convicted of a crime, I think the, 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 but the, the denominator on that or the, are the, the, the opposite side, 30 plus percent saying they would not. I mean, the, the point being is, I don't know if, if there's a pathway to a Republican presidency here. Well, the question was, if Trump is convicted of a crime, is he fit for the presidency? And in both the CBS and CNN entrance polls, which I assume were taken by different, I, I assume those are different samples. Um, it was about a third said he would not be fit. Now, what I said on TV last night is it, it's entirely possible for a Republican to conclude the following things. Trump is not fit for the presidency. Joe Biden is not fit for the presidency for different reasons. Therefore, I am now choosing between the lesser of two evils, and I will choose the person that I most identify with as a party matter, and that would be Trump. I think that's what most of those people would probably conclude, but the problem is not all of them. Some of them won't vote for Trump. Maybe they just don't vote at all, and this is the cohort that... uh, Trump's got to worry about. It was said on TV by David Axelrod last night and Kate Bedingfield, uh, my fellow Democratic colleagues on the panel, that the Biden White House would probably look at that third of the, those Republicans that were identified in the entrance polls, you just mentioned, Joe, and say, these are people we can have a conversation with. I, I don't think there's that many that are going to want to be persuaded that Joe Biden is fit for the presidency. I mean, something like 80 percent of Americans don't think he's got the mental acuity to serve as president right now. And so I think it's possible to conclude they're both unfit, and then you end up reverting to the corner. Uh, but we, I tell you what, what, why don't we do this, though, because we're talking about it. Jared, why don't we play Nikki Haley? So Haley is going to New Hampshire. She claims it's a two-person race. She says she won't debate anybody but Trump or Biden. And now she has launched this television ad in New Hampshire. The two most disliked politicians in America, Trump and Biden. Both are consumed by chaos, negativity, and grievances of the past. The better choice for a better America? Nikki Haley. I have a different style and approach. I'll fix our economy, close our border, and strengthen the cause of freedom. We need a new generation of conservative leadership to get it done. I'm Nikki Haley, and I approve this message. Now, what's objective? Of course, true echoes about Scott the, her, her remarks last night, saying that this is yeah. that this is chaos. Yeah. Well, and what's objectively true is Biden and Trump are the two most disliked politicians in America. That that is an objectively true statement. The trouble is, it's just Trump is not the most disliked politician in the Republican Party. In fact, he's the most liked politician <laughs> in the Republican Party. And so, what's true? I mean, she's making a a, a general election argument as though she were some, you know levitating third party candidate. And I just, this argument is not going to be persuasive to Republicans. Now there are independents in New Hampshire who can vote and maybe, maybe it is persuasive to them. I guess Sean and Jared, we'll see. I guess the other question I have for you, Scott, the, the viability of a campaign has to do with a variety of factors, but perhaps principally is, is the money still going to be there? Yeah. Now it seems to me that that Nikki Haley, as far as the establishment dollars, Coke or otherwise, 
was like they're they're putting their money on her saying this is she's going to be the alternative that we need to, to Trump. Does that money still exist? Do they see past this or is this a situation where they're going to look at the the results from Monday night and say, you know, Trump over 50 percent is is too much? How long does that does that money last? I mean, I wouldn't think very long. I mean, you know, I mean, what, what are you investing in here? You know, a very, very, very slim to none chance of toppling Donald Trump. I mean, if you're somebody who really wants to get rid of Trump out of politics, did you see it in either of his two opponents last night? I mean, that's the thing. If you're if you're if you're a rich person, like I want to get rid of Trump out of politics. So I'm looking at I'm looking at these voters or these candidates are now having their first contact with the voters. Did I see a vehicle last night that would inspire me to continue to invest in the notion that it can be done? If we could, Jared, if we could, let's let's hear from the other person we're talking about, Ron DeSantis, last night and his his ticket being punched. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. We love you, too. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. So Ron DeSantis, uh, and we are going to, by the way, for, for Trump fans, we are going to get to his comments last night here coming up here sh- shortly. But but Scott, uh, as far as DeSantis is concerned, you know, it's interesting, despite the fact that he did finish second, prevailed just over 20 percent. I think Nikki Haley was still the story in terms of what she had to say and what her and what she's saying this morning. I mean, Ron DeSantis at this point is a wounded duck. I mean, I, I, as far as who, whose campaign has any kind of life left to it. I would still think that he's he's number three in this conversation, is he not? Well, I mean, I I don't I don't know how to differentiate between he and Haley because neither of them has anywhere to go beyond New Hampshire where there's any kind of an audience that looks like it would be receptive of what they're trying to do. New Hampshire may be a little more receptive to Haley than Iowa was, but in South Carolina I mean, if you look at how Trump performed among just the Republicans in Iowa, I mean, it looks a lot like South Carolina. And so, and it looks a lot like the states on Super Tuesday. So where do you go? Where do you go? And and uh, and I think what DeSantis is, I guess what he's betting on here is Trump goes ahead and, and beats Haley in New Hampshire. So he's going to do, he's going to try to do in New Hampshire what Haley couldn't, which is take expectations down to zero for himself. He lets Trump knock Haley out of the race, and then he goes for a showdown in South Carolina, which, I you know, probably unlikely. Uh, but I guess in his mind, uh, that's where that's where the final battle will be for him 
is in South Carolina if if Haley's if Haley's gone from the contest. The latest uh, Emerson College poll in South Carolina, January second, five hundred and eighty four likely voters. Trump fifty four percent, Haley twenty five percent. So, I mean, Joe, all your your dreams and hopes resting <laughs> on New Hampshire, which allows is again an open primary. That is not the Republican Party. It's not, it does not, not represent, it's not an accurate reflection of what Republicans look like. Uh, and so South Carolina and Iowa are, therefore, I, I would just say again, it's Trump. He's, he's in the lead. It's going to be him. And, um, and every metric points to that direction. Yeah. The, uh, David Axelrod last night, I mean, he, he had the most succinct summation of the troubles with these opponents to Trump. The trouble with Trump is, He's really popular among Republicans. <laughs> and and at the end of the day, they will make the choice. By the way, the, the national polling, I, I had an inkling this was coming Sunday when we saw the CBS News poll come out. I mean, Trump was at 69% nationally Sunday in CBS uh, national uh, polling among Republicans. I mean, 69 and his two closest competitors are were at eleven and twelve. It 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 is just sort of unthinkable that a political party would have sixty nine percent support for someone and they are not the nominee of that party. I mean, I, I don't know how I don't know how you would change public opinion so rapidly when it really hasn't changed over the last seven eight years. Maybe a conviction. That's not going to happen in the next two weeks. May not ever happen. I mean, I, I mean. That's the thing. Like this, this primary is going to be over before any of this court stuff occurs. I think looks like. Yeah, I mean, I do think you could see a little, a little public opinion change, Joe. But even in, even in some of the, the polling we saw in the Des Moines Register poll, most Republicans, like eighty percent of Republicans, were unmoved by that or thought it would strengthen their mm-hmm. support of Trump. So even, even that, I'm not sure would be enough to, to knock him off. Yeah, I mean, this is basically what we've seen since March of last year. Um, I think Trump was on some shaky ground after the midterms that it felt like he was kind of a poison pill. And then the New York DA went after him. And since then, he's been on an upward trajectory. I I just I continue to think this primary is about him and that Haley and DeSantis and whoever can do things on the margins Um, at that same poll you mentioned that had. Uh, about a third saying they wouldn't vote for him if he was convicted. Only one in 10 of those respondents said the most important factor to them was a candidate who could defeat Biden. It's almost not even about winning anymore. It's just about Trump and what he represents and their values that they think he stands for. You know, I think they think Trump can beat Biden, but they almost don't care if he does. And that's a big part of Haley and DeSantis's pitch is, I can beat Biden. I've never lost to him. I can beat him. I, I, it's just, I don't know that there's any way to sway these people. I, I just think they're so in the, they're so dug in on Trump. I don't, I don't think it's that they don't care if he beats Biden. I think they've concluded that he will beat Biden. I mean, I, I think one of the, the, the most hurtful things to happen to DeSantis and Haley, remember a couple of months ago, I forget exactly when it was, uh, it was last year. 
Remember when the Washington Post poll came out? It was like a Sunday morning and it showed Trump beating Biden by 10 points. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. This is back sort of in the fall, like late summer, early fall. That's kind of when we saw the beginning of the, oh, crap, Trump is now beating Biden. That that one started it. To me, when that boulder started rolling down the hill and it started with that poll, I think all the Trump fans who are like, eh, I love him, but I don't want to lose again. At that point, that went out the window. And so it, it totally kneecapped the whole strategic argument of, well, if you want to win, you got to vote for me. But that one poll, it was a plus 10. It was Washington Post. Uh, and, and now it's been closer since then, but still in virtually every survey, he's beating Biden and in the swing States, maybe not quite by as much, but, but he's winning. And so their whole strategic argument thing got taken right off and they never, they, they never found anything to replace it with Joe. Are there any lessons learned though, from the midterm elections or from the elections and the off year elections of this past year, or is it different when Trump is actually on the ballot? No, we don't. We don't learn. This is politics. We don't learn lessons from anything. We literally <laughs> do the same thing over and over again. And then we also are shocked when the same things keep happening. We can't <laughs> understand why. No, I, I I do think it's different when Trump's on the ballot. Um, but you started to see the beginnings of the same atmospherics in, in from 22 in that entrance poll last night, you know, 32 or 3 percent of Republicans said Trump wouldn't be fit for the presidency if he were convicted. Well, those are exactly the kinds of people that do not like Joe Biden, but voted Democrat in the 2022 midterm. Let's, that's that's who they are. And so, yes, th- those people are going to, to manifest again in this election. The difference is Biden is also on the ballot and he has real serious problems. Sunday morning, he was at 33 percent in the ABC News Washington Post survey nationally and, and like 80 percent said he didn't have the mental fitness to be president. So, you know, Biden's not a clean choice here. I mean, it's possible to conclude that they're both unfit and they both present real problems and they're both, you know, it's like what Haley says, you know, they're the most disliked politicians in America. But uh, if that's the choice, then then uh, that's the choice and people are going to going to have to decide it. That's Scott Jennings. Sean Southern is here. Jared Crawford. I'm your roundtable host, Joe Arnold on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. When we come back, let's hear from the presumptive Republican nominee, Donald Trump. Hey there, Flyover Country listeners. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bluegrass Media Lab, Kentucky's premier media studio. The Bluegrass Media Lab offers a wide array of services, including video production, podcasting, live shot broadcasting, web development, media training, and more. You name it, they do it. Head over to bluegrassmedialab.com today to get in touch. Now, back to more Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. You are listening to Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. Scott is joining us from New York City, where he is still on CNN Patrol. Sean Souther joining us from uh, from Frankfort, Kentucky, the state capital. Jared Crawford from, I guess, the environs of his basement or something. He's he's He, he has a toboggan on as they call it there in the East Coast. You call it a toboggan? You call it a stocking cap? What do you call that thing you have on? I would call it a toboggan, but my parents would probably call it a beanie. Yeah. I mm. think a beanie has a propeller. That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, so Ron DeSantis went to South Carolina after the uh, his second place showing in Iowa. Nikki Haley went to New Hampshire. She's putting uh, all of her, her hopes there. Donald Trump apparently went to New York to attend another trial 
of his of there you go that's kind of that tells the whole story here of the primary in a heartbeat but speaking of donald trump let's go to uh the the primary night the caucus night in iowa and donald trump sounding somewhat gracious and i really think this is time now for everybody our country to come together we want to come together uh, whether it's republican or democrat or liberal or conservative it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing that's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. Uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%. And that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. So Scott Donald Trump there uh really in some ways maybe an olive branch is is he I mean I don't oh. know but and how he, long he, does this last He he played it just right. I mean he was gracious to uh he was gracious to um his opponents. He was gracious uh I mean he and he by the way he took the prompters down. They had prompters. Now I don't know if they did it. I don't know if they put the prompters in just so they could make a show of taking them down. But he took the prompters down and I thought he played it just right. And uh, and was just, you know, very, very warm to his opponents. I mean, look, th- this has been a nasty primary. I mean, they have said some nasty stuff. I mean, what what the Trump people have done to DeSantis has been nasty. Uh, you know what they did to <laughs> what Trump was doing to Vivek Ramaswamy this weekend. But he he was he played it. He played it just right. He He played it like a guy who wants to consolidate and move on right now. Now, here's the thing. That didn't happen. He got Ramaswamy, but Haley and DeSantis did not bend the knee last night. So now does his attitude change, you know, after you go through the next one? Seems to me, and I'm curious of, of those of you who have more political campaign experience than I do, Sean and Jared, that <laughs> despite everything I said before about about Nikki Haley and uh, and I guess to a certain extent about DeSantis, what you just said, though, Scott, is that it's interesting about as far as how nasty things have been. They have not been nasty toward Trump. I mean, for the most part, what I hear from Haley and DeSantis is more of punditry than it is uh, any kind of real criticism of Trump. Oh, I meant, I meant he's been he's been really hard on them. I mean, yes, he, yes. Know, obviously, but, Trump Trump has dropped right. sledgehammers right. on them. Right. But 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 to to your point about his speech, he didn't do that last night. You know, he didn't go right. up there. Right, and no, I agree. Of, uh, and, and 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 sort of you know display their entrails. You know, he he went up there and and uh, acted like a guy who wants their support. Oh, by the way, speaking of of opponents, you know who played their cards right? Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota. <laughs> you know, he hung around the race. He dropped out. He swooped into Iowa and endorsed Trump at the last minute and found himself on the stage with Donald Trump last night. Got called out by Trump. I mean, guy's probably going to be the next interior secretary or something or energy secretary. So, you know, I just have to say hats off to Doug Burgum for knowing when to hold him, knowing when to fold him and knowing how to play the cards he was dealt. Uh, he he did it just right. Ramaswamy, 
I think may have uh, uh, his shelf life. He 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 stayed up there a little past his uh, sell by date. But Burgum got out at the right time and cashed in at the right time. So hats off to somebody who who understands politics. Yeah, the uh, I I do think Trump had the right kind of tone shift last night, but he does have this thing in this kind of like New Yorker backhanded compliment way in which he still always like sneaks in a dig. The uh, Ramaswamy comment where he was like, he did pretty good. You know, he was at zero not that long ago. Like he still has this funny way of like always having to like knock his opponents down a little bit. Or or where uh, he or where he was saying, you know, uh, Nikki and Ron, we've all we've had a good time. The, the three of us have had a really good time. And yeah. I guess we <laughs> I guess we still don't know exactly what's happening uh, down in second place, but we're going to see it. We've had a good time. It's like <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it's so just good. he's just incredible. He continues to be entertaining. Right. I mean, you can understand why people sort of enjoy him. Uh, but it, it's it's it, I did think it was a noticeable tone shift, uh, clearly from some of his like truth social posts from just a few days ago. Um but yeah, I thought those some of those backhanded compliments you know, were, were just perfectly Trump. You know, when you watch Trump last night, uh he can he does things nobody else can do. You know, he he's got that he's got that showman entertainment quality mm-hmm. about it. And you know, I look, I, I think there are aspects of Haley's candidacy that I like. There are lots of aspects of DeSantis's candidacy I like, but neither of them has that whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know it when you see it. He's got it. I mean, it, there's something about it that gives him a larger-than-life presence in our politics, and no one has really come along to match it, <laughs> you know, lately uh, in the Republican Party. And I, it's hard to measure. It's hard. You know, it's one of these things like can't can't quantify, but it, it you you got a sense of it last night. What I uh, thought was watching Trump. Well, two thoughts. One is, again, back to the original point of, you know, the also Rans are there in case something happens funda- to fundamentally change the, the Trump's uh, the, the relative um, perception of the electorate as far as his fitness for office. If, if something should change all that where a conviction changes that or some other event changes where he's just not able to uh, to, to to, you know, to, to actually accept the nomination. Right. But but the, but the other point, this is watching Trump, though, and to your point, Jared, I couldn't help but think if, in fact, there had been a Democratic Iowa caucus and Joe Biden was on that stage, how different that split screen would look and how the Biden campaign apparatchik would be clinging on for dear life of him yeah. trying to get through a speech. Well, Trump. I mean, and it's not a big deal to say teleprompter. I mean, I, I get your point, Scott, about, hey, teleprompters came down because politicians. I mean, hell, I mean, Nikki Haley used teleprompters for her prepared remarks last night. Um, but tr- the fact that Trump owned that stage, it was it was it felt like a a, a Toastmasters roast. You know, it felt like the old Dean Martin. You know, <laughs> it just yeah. he owns it. He sees people randomly in the crowd and says, Carrie Lake, whatever else, goes off on that. Sees a, I mean, the fact that he recognized the guy who first endorsed him in 2015, the local state senator from Iowa, come on up here. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was like, he you said, felt he like said, you were in the Friars Club. Look how good he looks. Right, look, right. You can even hire him, he looks so good. You're right, right. <laughs> no, so in that, in that regard, when you put that together with the fact that he was somewhat magnanimous, 
Yeah. You know, he actually sounded like he sounded somewhat, you know, more cogent. I mean, frankly, in the times in the past, there have been plenty of times where he was president where I I was clinging on for dear life saying, dear Lord, just get us through this Q&A with the press because this guy is going off the rails. Last night, he sounded pretty good. But 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 my whole point is, though, when this campaign actually begins and it's going to be Trump versus Biden in all likelihood. If 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 not Gavin Newsom, if my other prediction comes true, that's a whole other story. And Ralph, but if we, don't forget but, Ralph. But, yeah, but 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 in terms of the juxtaposition of those two, Trump is just—I mean, he owns it. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. yeah, he he. I mean, yes, and then he also has moments where he's talking about how if you drop magnets in water, they cease to work or whatever. You know, so he does have. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it. last week he was on a roll too. He did a Biden impression and he was like, uh, and then he walks into a wall and it's hilarious. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he does. He has that sort of showmanship where he can really control a room unlike anybody else. And then, you know, he's talking about magnets going in water and not working. So I, you know, who know? I'm sure some Biden staffers keeping this too. And at some point, Joey, you'll come back and be like, Oh no, he is a little strange sometimes in front of the camera, but yeah, he, he does have that, that showmanship. What do you guys think about uh, how quickly the race was called last night? I'm reading the, you know, immediately after the race was called, which was an early call uh, by all the, the news outlets, the DeSantis campaign went crazy and, and were very upset. Uh, I think the Iowa Republican Party was upset about it. This morning I was kind of reviewing it. I guess CNN was first. We called it at 830 Eastern shortly after the AP, which went about a minute later. But basically, everybody called it super early, and the argument was, well, people are still voting. Some people are still in line. They're getting alerts on their phones, and now they're thinking they should leave. What you all? Uh, what'd you all make of that? I didn't I'll like say it. that. Uh, go ahead, Sean. I didn't like it. Um, you, you didn't like it? Okay. No, I, I, I felt the same way. I mean, I feel the same way every election. You know, um, when results start pouring in and there's still people in line voting, I just feel like there should be a... Uh, ceasefire on news and on even on exit polls or in, you all CNN did entrance polls uh, that sort of thing uh, yeah I I just I just don't like it I feel like it interferes with the process um, not like probably in any sort of substantial way but I do just feel like it should be a protected like sealed and happen in a vacuum uh, sort of process that's just my two cents yeah to, mm. to your point Sean apparently both AP, CNN, NBC News all have guidelines on not doing this. Right. Uh, the call is made only after polls are scheduled to have closed in the race. Uh, a policy strictly prohibits uh, reporting winners or uh, any outcomes before all polls are scheduled to close. Uh, AP will not call the winner of a race before all the polls in the jurisdiction are scheduled to close. So I, I agree. It's I think people are shocked because it seems like a reasonable policy and they skirted it for some reason. I find I it have... rich, Scott. I found it rich that not just CNN, but the networks in general, the narrative is democracy is on the ballot. Democracy is at stake. And then you have a democratic election and they supersede it. And they, they say, we're going to go ahead and just call it. While people literally, people hadn't even, not, they were still hearing the pitches at, at the caucus from the different surrogates. And they said, no, it's already over. So I, I 
Look, first of all, I have nothing to do with this. I mean, I yes, I sit on the panel, and I I, I am in no way, shape, or form. You know, I rank in above. You know, the the lowest rung. We we hold you. No, we hold you responsible for this. And, and, we, uh, we, and so, Scott and Jennings so, lies about electionoutcomes.com. Scott Jennings yeah. And so, I will just say, for my part, I uh, I have mixed feelings about it. I I I can I see your all's points, and and you all are making a lot of points that have been made by a lot of other people. Uh, on the other hand. If I had to defend it, I would say two things. One's caucus is not exactly the same as an election. It's different. Number two, you know, the, the Iowa Republican Party is feeding information in real time, you know, about the vote counting. Um, and so that, you know, that does give you something to go on. I guess some of the call, though, was made based on entrance poll results. You know, so you're talking to folks as they come in. Um, and so I... I'm torn on it. You know, at the, you know, at the same time, I, I agree with some of what you all are saying, but, but also once you know something, like once you objectively know something based on data analysis, if you're a news organization, isn't it your responsibility to say, we have analyzed this information and we objectively know this is going to happen? Because they didn't, like what they didn't do was say, and also DeSantis is going to finish second. They waited on that because they didn't. They 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 couldn't tell they from the early yet. data how that was going right. to go. But, but they, but but they that, objectively but, but, knew Trump was going to win. But if on, with that reasoning, Scott, doesn't that change the way we should do the uh, the fall election in terms of exit polling? You have exit polling at noon. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I believe me. I'm never exit polling. If you know, if exit polling ruled the world, you know, think about how different some of our electoral outcomes. Uh, I mean, I remember sitting in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in 2004. Looking at the Drudge Report saying exit polling showed John Kerry winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was depressed for the rest of the day. Now we ended up winning the race uh, for Bush. But uh, so I, I know the perils and the pitfalls of this. In this case, th- the constituency is so small. I mean, there's a little over 100,000 votes. You know, obviously they were taking a lot of entrance uh, data. So they, I think they had a pretty good handle on it. I, look, I'm not, I, I think you all make valid points. I, I think this is going to spark, though, a debate about how news organizations should or will handle it. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've got New Hampshire coming up. Super Tuesday is a big night. And in that case, you've got states all over. So, you know, you have people in different time zones. And and those, are not exa- those aren't caucuses. Those are actual people going to the polls. But this will probably spark a policy debate, you know, at the news outlets about, well, what, what should we do? What's the responsible thing to do? So maybe maybe that'll be an outcome of it. Now I will say the this: Ron DeSantis uh, is saying, but, but Ron DeSantis complaining that this was like corporate media interference. I mean, I'm sorry, but CNN or the AP or whatever calling this race early didn't cost him 30 points. I mean that. I mean, come on, come on. I mean, come on. But still, you can he can use it to his advantage in that regard. It, it's, it's it's a nice foil. Yeah. The a couple other things about uh, coverage. Um, first of all, how Trump's speech. And other speeches were carried or not carried. I didn't see anybody carry Vivek's Ramaswamy's speech. We heard about what he said, um, but the the you know Trump CNN pulled away from Trump while he was talking, and Jake Tapper began making disparaging remarks about Trump and about uh, his remarks on immigration uh, during that time. MSNBC didn't take Trump's speech at all. I understand, 
And uh, Rachel Maddow kind of fell over herself about how this is a very pained. This we we don't do this, uh, you know, uh, gladly. You know, we we but we 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 have a responsibility not to allow untruths to be able to be propagated using our network. And wait, I, wait, I whoa, find whoa, what a hero. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Rachel Maddow, yeah, is worried about people saying untruths on right. television. Yes, this is what I, this this is the My this is where it, again this this is where it's rich. Believe me, I I, I, I I'm, have, I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't I'm I was in a different building in New York City because I could avoid the lightning strike. Give me a break, Lord have mercy. This is the disconnect, though. This is where we are, though. In other words, we're not even going to allow this person to speak or to give them the airtime as a, at a major network uh, because we are the arbiters of truth. I mean, I, 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 I'm glad CNN took Trump last night. I wish they had stuck with it. Truthfully, I, you know, I, I wanted to hear what he had to say. He was getting ready to, to launch into his policy piece, which, you know, for the voters, I mean, that's that's probably more significant than the, you know, sort of the acknowledgement round he went through. Uh, but th- again, just like they're they're going to be talking about how they're going to do these calls on election nights, I, you know, now they're going to have to talk about. How are we going to cover Trump? How are we going to take Trump? In 2016, they took all of Trump <laughs> all the time. They took the empty podium. They took the podium when he was at it. They took the podium when it was over. I mean, and and now I, I, I guess news organizations are going to have to have some conversations about, are we going to cover Trump in the same way we would cover any other nominee of any party? I mean, it, you know, for MSNBC... What are you going to do? Literally only show Joe Biden's speeches? I mean, is that what you're going to do the whole election? Yes. I, I guess. Yeah. Known, I true, known truth teller, Joe Biden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Dude lies all the time. But uh, so I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, once the American people make decisions about who the candidates for these parties are going to be, I, I don't know. I think my view is you have a responsibility to show these candidates in full, you know, their full self. Here's who they are. Here's what they're running on. Here's what they say about issues. Now, you make the decision. Um, and to say, well, he might lie. Okay. I mean, if that's the standard we're going to apply, then we might as well cancel all political coverage right now. Uh, and and don't tell me that Joe Biden uh, is going to stand up there and give you 60 minutes of, of unfettered honesty. Because that, that ain't never had. Come on. I mean, can he speak for 60 minutes straight? <laughs> well, okay, 60 seconds, whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> whatever. Before we wrap up, Scott, the other question I want to ask all of you, uh, uh, and then, then any other final comments you have about uh, about the caucuses and moving ahead here. But the other, um, I guess, data point is turnout. Uh, it was it was depressed. It was down from pre- previous years in Iowa on Monday night. Of course, it was extremely cold there were warnings about you know staying in and that could have suppressed some of that but do any of you jerry do, do, do you take anything from this that uh that the people who were showing up were the folks who were maybe the super trumpers and and yeah. everyone else is just sort of depressed yeah i think to to my like earlier point i just i continue to think it's it, it's a lot more about trump than you know it is about anybody else or any other issue or something like that and so I think the Trump people sort of knew they had it. They showed up. I know, again, the DeSantis campaign did a lot of work to get first time, you know, caucus goers out. Maybe the weather affected them or, or scared them off. I think, you know, regardless of who called it or who did, you know, what I, I just I continue to think this is all about Trump. 
and his people knew they had it. Uh, and that probably, you know, dampened turnout a little bit. Not to say that doesn't mean that GOP isn't enthusiastic in general. You know, come, I, I think there's a lot of people ready to, to kick out Biden. I just don't think they were thinking about that last night. Sean, what's your takeaway on turnout? Yeah, I've, I just think that there people, people feel like it's going to be Trump. And so, yeah, you know, when you know, when you know what the outcome of something is going to be, there's really not a reason to go out and do it. Also, I mean, there's the weather issue too. I mean, we can't forget that. By the way, uh, on TV last night, we had a meteorologist on, Chad Myers, and he was in downtown Des Moines, and he had some wild reports, but he he went on at one point before the voting started last night, and he was out on the street, and he was like, now, before you start your car in Des Moines, you got to walk up to it and do this, and he took his fist, and he, he like pounded on the hood of the car. He was like, you know, what you got to understand is critters like to get up under the hood of your car here mm-hmm. because these engines are warm. Yeah. <laughs> and Jake Tapper looks like, uh, what? <laughs> it was the funniest exchange, you know, cause, cause they were trying to demonstrate just how cold it was. Can I can before we go, Joe, about, can I toss in a couple of tidbits? Sure. I, I was going to do the little, the more, you know, but that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, oh, yes. now, a couple days ago, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, said that uh, he was never going to drop out of the race and that the system, he said, the system will not ever allow Trump to be the president. He said, uh, 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 we're going to shock the world. You know, uh, the polls lie, but the numbers never do, whatever. So he, you know, he comes in last night. But he said the weirdest thing. Actually, Jared, do we have it? The uh, So Ramaswamy concedes, but it says the weirdest thing. We talked about it tonight. We took a little bit of time in our apartment in Des Moines before coming here to make some hard choices. And I wanted to make a couple of announcements tonight to get the business out of the way. And then I want to tell you where we're going. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America first candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. And so I'm going to ask you to follow me in taking our America first movement to the next level. So he says, he says, uh, you know, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. Like, like, what does that even mean? I just thought that was the strangest Strangest thing. Now, Mediaite, this stupid website, like they got they got on me last night because I made a joke on TV. I said, Iowa voters put the brake on Vivek and the panel kind of groaned a little. Uh, so they thought that was newsworthy. So they wrote that up. But you know what? I don't <laughs> care. I'm going to make that joke every day for the rest of the election. So screw you, Mediaite. Second thing. <laughs> second thing is I also told my fellow panelists this morning, I'll never forget this betrayal. I want to hear loud guffaws the next time I. Crack a joke on TV. One other thing that came in this morning doesn't have anything to do with the caucus, but 
for CNN, right, hot off the presses, CNN's Republican presidential primary debate and post-debate analysis ranks number one in cable news among both uh, 25 to 54 and age 18 to 34 demos, combined TV and streaming audience of 6.4 million people. CNN ranks ahead of all broadcast and cable nets in the 25 to 54 demo. So that when I went out to Des Moines and we had this debate last week, people watched it. And apparently, apparently people were watching it on the CNN Max streaming business. It says that on CNN's digital platforms, the day saw 1.4 million live video starts with concurrent live streams peaking at 106,000 uh, viewers. So there, there is some, there was some juice behind the CNN debate hosted by Jake Tapper and Dana Bash last week in Des Moines, and I was proud to be part of that. So I wanted to throw that in for my employer, CNN. We got a nice, got a nice bump out of that debate. Sadly, Nikki Haley is, I guess, canceling our debate. <laughs> on Sunday night, I was, she's I not. I was go. She's not. She's not canceling. She's just saying people should show up. Well, I, I guess I was going to go to New Hampshire for that. I guess we'll see what happens now. But uh, probably, just to be clear, she, 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 she'll be there as long as Donald Trump shows up. So anyway, front runner. Th- those are my tidbits. Those are my those are my scene red herds. We should point <laughs> out, though, Scott. Speaking of though, CNN uh, is that uh, Wolf Blitzer is hosting Tuesday night uh, yeah. the the town hall with uh, Ron DeSantis. So, I mean. At this point, I guess at, at what point is this would be the one time, I guess, if, if, he's, if he's ever going to actually make a case to say why Donald Trump should not be president versus, you know, isn't this doesn't he have to kind of go more aggressive here? Yeah, well, he in, in his last CNN town hall, he was aggressive against Trump. I mean, he and Haley were aggressive against each other in their debate. But in the town hall he did the week before that, he, he went after Trump pretty significantly. It was it was a pretty significant move away. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I, I would anticipate him doing that. And Haley's obviously doing it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, of course at this point too, if you're DeSantis or Haley, some of the things you got to manage here are, what do I want my future relationship with Trump to be like? Cause you know, they're still in the race. They're still trying the things you say now, when it appears the end of the road has come, won't be forgotten. And so I, I wonder if that might cause a few punches to be pulled, but uh, I guess we'll see tonight. Wolf, uh, Wolf's on his way. He went to New Hampshire, and we'll see. We'll see how DeSantis plays it. Any closing thoughts, Jared or Scott, before we wrap it up? No, nope, they're boy, they are full of vim and vigor this morning. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys with the emergency uh, immediate reaction podcast instant analysis after the. Iowa caucuses, Scott, safe travels, stay warm on your many travels. And uh, yeah. we look forward to the, the, the update here for Vivek, Ron, and Nikki. Oh, I'm sorry. For Sean, Jared, and Scott, I'm your roundtable host, Joe Arnold. Have a great week. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.